Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, it's Patrick Starr. I'm coming straight to you with my very own podcast. Say yes to the guest. I'll be hanging out with some of my fiercest friends and spilling some serious tea on business, beauty, and being a boss-ass bitch. With me, baby, you'll never know what will happen. Find yes to the guest on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are played. Start streaming and downloading now. And don't forget to subscribe because every Monday we're going in. We got so much to chat about. So turn it up and say yes to the guest. Yes. Yes, 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 yes! Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Today, I am sitting down with Megan Gallagher. She is a two-time TEDx speaker, a four-time best-selling author, After Buzz TV host, writer, and anxiety advocate for teens, and a podcast host. She felt like a really important guest for me because I am a parent of a teen who struggles with anxiety, and I was a teen who struggled with anxiety. Heck, I'm an adult who struggles with anxiety. We've talked about anxiety before in so many different ways, but The way that Megan kind of brings about the conversation around it, I think was really important to bring onto the podcast. And hopefully even for yourself or for somebody in your life, this conversation, I can only hope is going to lend itself in some pretty magical ways. So enjoy the show. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Honestly, for me, like it was such a important conversation to have because my own daughter like openly and with consent allows me to talk about the fact that she has struggled with anxiety since she was little. But I mean, as a teenager, it's a totally different game. So to have somebody come on, who's kind of like been living and existing within the realms of what that is now. I mean, your Ted talk is anxiety, the new teen epidemic. Like it's so real, like as a parent of a teen, I don't know that people can talk enough about the fact that it's really scary to be somebody on the outside of the control of mental health and watch your most precious being go through it. And so to have somebody like you that comes in and talks to these kids, like it's so important, but not only that, but talk to, talk to us too, talk to the parents, talk to the support people, the villages and all of that. So 
Let's back it up though a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into what it is that you're doing now. So first of all, I am so excited to be on here. This is just, I'm such a fan of this podcast. So I'm so excited, Sarah. My passion for motivational speaking really came from just my own experience. When I was in high school, I mean, my anxiety happened, you know, earlier than, I mean, I even remember, but I remember vividly when I was 14 years old, freshman in high school, it's a huge time for everyone. You know, whether your body's changing puberty, everything, you're changing schools. It's just such a transitionary time and it triggers so much anxiety for so many people. And I remember vividly just being 14 and sitting in my freshman English class. And my teacher was talking about the book, the Odyssey, and we were you know, getting into discussions. And I just remember sitting there and like, write, trying to write something. And I just remember my vision all of a sudden just went in and out. And I was like, that's weird. And I kind of tried to shake it off. And all of a sudden, like my vision, I like looked up and it was like spotty, like black spots. Like when you feel like you're about to pass out and I'm like, yeah, this is crazy. And like, I just remember feeling so dizzy and just really not okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. This is like the second week of my freshman year of high school. And, you know, all these people are going to look at me like I'm crazy. This is so bad. And I asked my teacher, can I go to the bathroom? And then the room just like started kind of going in circles. And I was like my heart. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm literally having a heart attack. Like this is, this is how I'm going to go. This is it. And so I went to the bathroom and I just remember like looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, like what just happened? And it was the scariest moment ever. And so for me, from that moment on, it was just this journey of the rest of my high school career. I, you know, was like a student and being a normal teenager, but also I was seeing a therapist and I was trying EFT tapping and I was trying hypnotherapy and all of these things. Meanwhile, you know, I'm just like getting my braces and my driver's license and trying to fit in and be normal. But it's like I was living two separate lives and I was so afraid of those two worlds colliding because I never, ever, ever, ever wanted anyone to find out that I was struggling or suffering. And my anxiety for me, it was so embarrassing. Like it was this, I was so embarrassed by it and I didn't even really know what it was, but yeah, that moment on just led to this whole revelation of healing and, you know, seeing a therapist and then being inspired by my own journey and like leaving college and just all of these things where I just knew that there needed to be, I wanted to be that person that I knew I needed when I was young. Yeah. And it's funny when you describe your anxiety attack as like almost like a physical manifestation of it, because I had a really hard time placing my own like anxiety because for a lot of people, they have it like they can tangibly like, oh, I'm worrying about these things. I can feel it. Like you can sense this is anxiety in that different way. And I would have times where I'm like, my whole chest feels tight. I feel like there's an elephant sitting on me, but I don't know what's wrong. And I know this is anxiety and I don't know how to deal with it. When I watched my daughter go through it, I remember the first time I ever watched her have a panic attack. She was probably about I want to say somewhere around nine years old. And we had just gone and picked out pumpkins. Now to give you a bit of backstory, the year before when she was carving a pumpkin, 
she cut her hand. And literally in that moment that she cut her hand, that was probably her first panic attack, to be honest, because she thought she was bleeding out because she, she cut it and she held her hand on the inside. And so she cut her hand and she was embarrassed because she thought she was going to be in trouble. And at the same time, she was bleeding and thought that she was going to die. So she was just so upset over this. So flash forward a year later, obviously she was fine. It was a cut in the thumb and it was okay. But a year later we were sitting in the car and she had a pumpkin in her lap. And all of a sudden she said, mom, I'm not, I'm not feeling very good. I'm just, and she could tell her rhythm of breathing just changed and I'm driving. So I'm just like, what is going on right now? Like I've never seen. And she's just like, I don't know. I'm just thinking about the pumpkin and I'm just thinking about last year and I'm thinking about when I cut myself and I, she just like starts to go and go and go and go. And her, her face went white and her breathing got shallow, shallow, shallow. And I, and my mom was in the front seat and she was an early childhood educator and also somebody who understands anxiety a lot more than me. So I'm like in panic mode also, because I'm just like absorbing what's going on in the car. And my mom, I remember being like, okay, Maya, we're going to look outside. What are five things you can see? And then what are four things you can touch? And what are three things you can smell? And what are, you know, we started going through all these sensory things and then it slowly brought her back down. And I got home and I was like, I have no idea how to deal with this. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I just know that watching it was really scary, trying to understand that her anxiety was manifesting different than my anxiety. And more than that, trying to empower her to take, you know, not control of that anxiety, but start to de-shame what was going on because that was like a huge one. I remember when she asked for therapy for the first time and we started walking through it which is why I felt like you were such an important person to have this conversation with because you're going directly to the source. You're going and speaking in high schools. I think it's really easy to kind of sometimes talk to parents and trying to equip us, but like talk to kids on their level and someone who's kind of experienced it at their time in life. What, what do you kind of go in and talk to these kids about to kind of help them through what anxiety looks like for them now? And, and, you know, why is it so is it worse? And and why is it so much worse? Well, I think it's, it's just so much worse. One, because social media, it's huge, you know, it's everywhere. And I think in the times we live in, I mean, I think specifically for the current times, and I know everyone says that, but like really though, you know, the current times, there's so much going on this time of year. I mean, add COVID, add the holidays, add election. I mean, there's just specifically right now, it's a very overwhelming, stressful time for the whole entire planet. And I think if you're sensitive, if you're anxious, if you're an empath, you can pick up on that and just feel funky. And you're like, I don't even know what's going on, but like (laughs) what I'm feeling. And for me, what makes me feel better is just saying it. Even if I wake up in the morning with a pit in my stomach and I feel like super anxious and, you know, bizarre, just saying out loud, what I'm feeling doesn't feel like me. It doesn't feel like it belongs to me. That always makes me feel better. It kind of just allows me to separate myself from my thoughts and my feelings for, you know, a quick second. It's just everything going on right now. I think social media is a huge cause for, for anxiety levels in today's generation And I think that social media, it just, it causes so much comparison. It makes you feel not good enough. And 
even if you do have the healthiest relationship with yourself, even if you love yourself, for a lot of people, social media causes the fear of missing out. And, you know, you're just scrolling. So I think it's important, one, just to set boundaries with it. Just like, you know, if you're in a marriage or you're in a relationship, just you have to set, you know, established boundaries. So that would mean, you know, just knowing, okay, right when I wake up in the morning, do I feel my absolute best when I start scrolling? How I want to start my day? And also right before you go to bed. And I think just paying attention, does it make you feel better than yourself? Like, does it, does it make you feel better or worse about yourself? Because really making that correlation is super important and just really taking a note of, okay, so before I go on social media and then now this is how I feel after and just really thinking mm. in and thinking, this doesn't make me feel good. This does, it doesn't. And really just, you know, making those connections, but it's just so important because I think also for teenagers, I mean, I know for teenagers, they, you know, they're growing into themselves and they're becoming who they are and they're establishing that relationship. And I really, really think it's just so important for teenagers to be taught in school. Like that's what my mission is, is to go in the schools and to really just teach them about self-care and really self-love and how social media and all of these things can just affect your mental well-being. It's I'm actually working on a brand new book that's going to be released next year with my team of editors and everything. And I'm really excited because it's basically how to thrive in the virtual classroom. And it's all about teenagers, specifically during this COVID period, just how they can take their power back by journaling their feelings and by really reevaluating their thoughts and how every single thing, and this is something that always makes me feel better, realizing that every single thing, what you eat, what time you go to bed, who you're texting, who you're hanging out with, you know, if you're literally every single thing, if you drink alcohol, if you drink caffeine, if you get enough sleep, if you work out, it all affects your mental and like your well-being and how you feel about yourself. So for those people who, you know, like to think like, oh no, I'm fine. I'll just, you know, eat sugar and watch movies. And for some people that does work, they, you know, they only need five hours of sleep. That's amazing. But I think the best thing you can do is just be your biggest supporter and really check in with yourself and really think, like, how are you feeling? And then really taking action and wanting to feel better. All right. I'm so excited to be talking once again about my love for PC Optimum Points, because if you were a fellow Canadian, you might love collecting PC Optimum Points just like me and redeeming them on free stuff. But if you want to get even more groceries and beauty products for free, well, now you may be able to. PC Financial has a new no monthly fee account that will make you think about money in a whole new way. It's called the PC Money Account, a bank account that makes everyday spending just go further. The PC Money Account gets you PC Optimum points for doing everyday things like grocery shopping and online shopping holiday shopping, all of the things that we're doing now more than ever. And more points mean more rewards. So you can turn that everyday spending and that holiday spending into a treat for yourself. 
The PC Money account, like I said, is a no-monthly-fee bank account that makes every dollar of your purchases go further with PC Optimum Points. Recently, I've been using my PC Optimum Points just on groceries, just kind of helping with our budget. We've collected so many that we've been able to knock quite a bit of our bills off every single time we go. And the PC Money account works like a bank account, but rewards users with 10 PC Optimum Points for every dollar they spend anywhere they shop. Then you're going to earn 25 points in total per dollar spent at Shoppers Drug Mart. As a welcome bonus, you'll get up to 50,000 points if you take advantage of introductory offers when setting up your account and adding payroll, direct deposit, or paying bills online. For Canadians who crave more from their money, the PC Money account can help you send and set savings goals, all while being rewarded on your spending with loyalty points you can actually use. We're talking about using them on groceries, beauty products, life essentials. Not only that, you're going to enjoy free Interact e-transfer services, free withdrawals at PCATMs across Canada. You can sign up for a PC Money account today to start earning PC Optimum points and redeeming them on everyday essentials. Simply go to pcfinancial.ca slash papaya to open a PC money account and you too can start thinking about money in a whole new way. That's pcfinancial.ca slash papaya. Now let's get back to the show. We were a little bit guinea pigged, my generation at least, like getting into social media was the first time that we really kind of lost boundaries with like our jobs and our school and, you know, all of that, because, you know, my, my dad, I used to watch him leave work and sometimes he'd be late. And I remember my mom being annoyed if he was ever late for dinner. And he would always talk about how he got caught in the hallway by somebody and they were chit chatting, but there was an end time to his day. And even if he was late for dinner, there was an end time to his work day. He didn't have a cell phone. His work never called our home. There was no access to him. He was ours once he was home and he was his own once he was home. That's not the case for us anymore. And when we talk about boundaries, it's it's not only just for teens. Teens are in it much more because they have never had the opportunity to know life outside of it. And for a lot of us, we were kind of thrust into grasping the old world and the new world and what it means to have unlimited access to you. And this is a, this is a huge thing that I feel this year in particular has taught me more than anything. And I've repeated this a gajillion times, but that time does not equal your capacity. And the fact that we have projected hustle in such a way that has created this new norm where people, if you just work hard enough, sleep less, do more, be more, show up more. You can have this success story, but the burnout rate is existing at such a high, high level now. And we're seeing it happen younger and younger and younger. Teenagers should not be burning out. Teenagers should be at their friends, like with their friends at the park, or they should be playing board games, or they should be having time and I, I didn't even really realize like my job is a little bit very involved in terms of being on social media and, and I quite enjoy it. And I've had to learn a lot about creating boundaries, but I remember my daughter, I picked her up from school the other day and she was like, man, sometimes I just feel like really overwhelmed because people get upset if I don't reply to their DMS right away. Or like, there's like this responsibility that I have to like reply to people. And I was like, oh, wow. Like you don't even think about that. Like, and it's true. Like if you, if my mom texted me and I didn't reply, 
then she would follow up and say vice versa. I would follow up. I'd be like, are you good? Like, are you this? Until we kind of reach that person, we kind of get this like, why aren't you accessible right now? What's wrong? Is something happening? But for our kids, they're having that in their social world with their parents. Like there's so much of that, that like my daughter's so short in the way that she replies to me in text. And I know that that's like her actually creating healthy boundaries in terms of how she manages her own time on social media. But she's a little bit more self-aware than I would say, you know, my son is now learning, like you actually have to try and balance sleep. You actually have to try and create these boundaries for yourself. And it's not easy for teens that have no, I mean, I don't mean it in a negative way. I think teenagers are phenomenal, but they're not quite cognitively at consequential thinking. So to them, it's much more of what's in front of me right now is more important than how I feel tomorrow. I mean, I'm still like that. I've had many a hangovers and I always wonder why did I ever get this far down this road? And it's often because in the moment it's really good. And so when you're same with social media, like you talked a little bit about this, but that hangover, that social media hangover that so many kids are going through, but I've even noticed it with my own kids. They follow people that they don't even genuinely enjoy, but they do it because it's like, what they're supposed to do or what they feel like they have to, to stay relevant. They have lost so many boundaries in their own world. How do we encourage them in self-care? What does self-care even look like for a teenager anymore who thinks that self-care for them is watching YouTube videos or playing a video game? Like what is self-care for teenagers and how can we kind of like encourage that a little bit more? Well, that's a wonderful question. I mean, I think the best thing you can do is really just, if you have a teenager or if you know a teenager, I think a great thing that you can do is just instilling the self-care habits and kind of leading by example. So right now there's a really great documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. And it's something that I myself, I've watched and it's just, it's a really great, insightful, just an awesome movie for 2020 of, it really shows you scientifically, it breaks down why social media, why it, you know, why it is triggering for people, for some people versus others and what it does to your brain chemically and just all of these details that, you know, when you're scrolling, you're not fully aware of. So it's really important to just, I think, lead by example and to really show your teenager, hey, so, you know, I'm not going to scold you or tell you this is bad, but, you know, if we watch this movie and they can see for themselves and so they don't feel forced and, you know, you can say, hey, it's family movie night. Let's just watch this one. I've heard it's awesome because teenagers, I remember when I was that young, the number one thing that I wanted, I just wanted to feel heard and seen and understood. And I really wanted, I just craved, I really just wanted to be treated like an adult. And I think that's so important for teenagers is just really, really, really realizing, you know, they're just human beings. They're not perfect robots and they really want to be treated like an adult. So I think for them, you know, just watching a movie and being able to really make that connection themselves so they can feel, oh, you know, my parents didn't force me or I didn't feel pressured, but I learned myself today that, oh, I can, you know, go on social media less. And I can actually start to realize for myself that, 
maybe it doesn't make me feel, you know, amazing to go to bed and to just, you know, scroll for two hours. And maybe I should, when I wake up in the morning, I should have more of a routine that kind of sets me up for my day and makes me feel really good about myself. It's just those little things, just watching certain movies or showing them, Hey, you know, like let's go get ice cream tonight. Let's have a family dinner, an activity, something let's go hiking, making it fun. And really just showing them that things like journaling, things like watching, you know, a YouTube video, it can, it can be fun and it doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be, you know, just like super like a therapist's office where they may feel intimidated. It can be really fun and just awesome. And so that's, you know, a reason why I am so passionate about writing this new book that I'm working on. It's because I want it to be fun and colorful and inviting and not scary or intimidating. And I know for me, like I did years of therapy and I've seen it all and I've tried it all. And I remember so many times where you walk in that office and it's the white walls and you're just like, oh gosh, you can hear the clock ticking and you feel so like, you're just, you feel so nervous. You're too nervous to even, you know, want to cry or express yourself. You're just, it's uncomfortable and it's stuffy. And so I really want to be that person that's just making it different for all the teenagers. And I want to be, you know, just fun and upbeat and positive, but also be like, you know, aesthetically like, Oh, this is so colorful. It's so fun. This is such a cool book. Like this is like a coloring book, but it's like fun. And this girl gets it. Cause she's 24. She's not, you know, not bashing on anyone, but she's not yeah. year old man. Who's like, Hey, you know, kids like world war. I mean, it's like, she gets it. She's young. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, I had a mentor when I was in high school and she was I think like less than 10 years older than me. And I remember my mom always being like, she would say like, sometimes it's hard that I would go and talk to her instead of talking to my mom. But she was like, I'm just so glad you have somebody because in my mind, it was somebody that was adult, but not too adult. So it was like this perfect little bridge of somebody. But I really like what you're saying here because I think a lot of times we feel a lot of guilt and onus over should kids even have social media? And my stance has been, listen, the world is not changing in the realm that this exists. Like this is something that's here. I don't think that bubble wrapping our children and avoiding the, the avoiding the social media as a whole is going to be the answer. I think like anything else, our entire jobs as parents or, you know, friends of, of kids or being a village to somebody is to prepare them. Like they are small humans. They are small adults and they're learning to kind of create their own boundaries and stuff. And that's really been something that I've, I've tried to kind of adopt as a parent is just kind of allowing them that decision-making while also equipping them with my own experiences and talking out loud, being like, I I like, I'll talk about my screen time and be like, I need to create like a better budget for my screen time, or I need to do better with this. And I'll openly say it out loud because I'm also learning through this. And I don't want them to feel belittled in their own experience, but actually own the choices in creating those boundaries and being more self-aware to, you know, those times that they do feel like crap. Like the fact that they're able to say like, I don't like having to reply to people all the time and like, okay, what can we do about that? It's really nice that you're kind of talking in a way that's like, it's equipping them to kind of make the decision, not so much equipping parents to take away the social media as a whole, because if we did that, then once they become adults, they're thrust into it. You're just offsetting the problem as opposed to kind of 
working through it the best we can. And it's not a perfect experience because it can't be. We're, it's a bunch of humans in a human experience, humans who are incredibly imperfect, now collectively involved in this bigger unit of, you know, age of information and age of accountability and age of, you know, photos everywhere and everything you ever did being documented. It's it's an entirely different era. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about how you became, cause like you're a two time Ted speaker, how like a Ted talk speaker, how did that come to be? And you're also like an author, like you're 24 and you've accomplished a lot. All right, let's take a pause from our show to talk about one of today's sponsors, Hello Bello, because yes, I am back in a diaper season of life. I can't believe over a decade later, here we are again. And choosing between what's best for your baby and what's best for your budget shouldn't always be a losing battle for your wallet. Hello Bello is here to lighten that load on the bank account, all while keeping your baby comfy and dry. Co-founded by Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard, Hello Bello is built on the simple idea that all babies deserve the best, which is why they offer premium baby products at affordable prices. Their diaper bundling service lets you choose from over 20 different fun rotating designs. And trust me, I never thought I would care about the pattern on a diaper, but now I do. And the Hello Bello ones are so cute. Each bundle comes with seven packs of diapers, four packs of plant-based wipes, and even one full-size product freebie with your first order. All you have to do is head on over to hellobello.com slash papaya to build your bundle, and HelloBello will send you diapers on a cadence that works for you. Plus, shipping is free and you can cancel anytime. There's no gotchas. Get their super soft, super absorbent, and super affordable diapers delivered right to your door from HelloBello. Now we've got a little bit of a bonus actually a couple of them. Right now, if you go to hellobello.com slash papaya, you'll get 25% off your diaper bundle order. That's a huge bang for your buck and a lot of potential blowouts saved. That's hellobello.com slash papaya to start building your bundle with 25% off your order. But that's not all. Plus, you're going to get 15% off any add-ons like vitamins or wipes. So don't forget, that's hellobello.com slash papaya. And here, let's get back to the show, wishing you a blowout free day. Let's talk a little bit about how you got to that place. Like, how did you, how did you get on that stage in the first place? Oh my gosh. Well, okay. I mean, it's just, it was the craziest journey. So for me, I mean, as I've shared, my inspiration came from my own experience, but to get on the TED stage that it was so crazy how it happened. So 2017, I, you know, I'm such a visual person as you all can see, I have my little magazine covers and everything. And I just, I knew I wanted to be, I just, I, I have this goal in mind and I'm like, I know I want to be at the Tony Robbins level. Like I'm not going to give up. And I just have such a huge vision for my life. And so growing up, I always, and still do at 24 in my apartment, I have vision boards everywhere. Like I love cutting out everything and just, I feel like I'm so good at manifesting because all of it just somehow comes through in its own way. But so in 2017, I had on my vision board, I want to do a Ted talk. I just want to say that I've done it. And you know, I just, it would mean so much to me to be on that stage because as a speaker, 
it really is the ultimate, you know, dream. And to say you've done a talk and given one and it's very prestigious. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would do anything to be on that stage. I really, you know, 2017, I was like, okay, so how do I get there? And for me, I, you know, just, I just started, I didn't pause. I didn't overthink it. And I think that's been the the key to my career is I never once have just, you know, paused and I just take action all the time. I really, I, you know, it may be because of a multitude of things, but for me, my biggest motivation is just, I want to live a full life and I want to live a life with zero regrets. And so I just take action. I don't really, (laughs) you know, I think things through, but I just, I don't allow the fear or the doubt, or I just take action. And I know that the universe, it just has my back. And I'm like, everything is going to be literally fine. So for me, 2017, I literally, you know, just was like, okay, I want this. So I would go on the TED website, like the TED talk website. And I would, I would find where they were having these talks and whether it was Russia or Australia, anywhere, I just applied. I was like, I'll go. I want to go to, I've always wanted to go to Russia. I want to go there. Like that sounds so much fun. Of course I want to go there. And so I just did it, Africa, any place, even LA. And then I, you know, would find the organizers' names and I would email them or find them on Facebook. And it was just this total hustle, just hunting and looking. And then literally two years later. So it took two years and I'd sent in six applications every single day for two years. <laughs> and it, wow. yes, even on weekends, even, even on holidays and birthdays, I just didn't give up. And finally, you know, it hits February of 2019. And, you know, this is just after years of getting no's. And I'm like, I just have my eyes on the prize. And I just knew if I kept my thoughts positive and if I kept my eyes just focused on it is going to happen, it will happen. I just knew that like there was nothing, you know, there was kind of, I just knew that there was no wrong I could do, you know, like if I worked as hard as I could, if I hustled, if I just thought this positively, then it had like, it just has to happen. So literally February. And then I get an email and it was the first email. This is after hearing no's, no responses and just becoming so used to, you know, opening up my email. And then the first line was like, unfortunately, and I'm like, Oh gosh. So I got used to that. And then finally, I mean, it was like seeing a mirage in a desert and you're like, <laughs> oh, this is so real. Finally, um, I got a message back from the, the TED Talk in Los Angeles and the organizer, he said, hi, Megan, thank you so much for applying. We would love to have you speak. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, no way. And so it was just the craziest, most full circle moment. And I remember he said, we have a speaker and this is just talking about timing and how crazy everything happens. You know, he said, we have a speaker who got mono and he's sick. And so do you want to take his spot? It's really last minute. And he also said, you know, the speakers usually have about four months to prepare, but you only have two weeks. So (laughs) he said, it's up to you. The choice is yours, but we just, we love your audition video. We love your pictures. We love everything. And we think you would be a really, really good fit. So I was like, you know what? I got this. And I just said, yes. I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to pause that. I've like have been wanting this for so long. So I was like, yes. And then, so I 
literally had two weeks, but it's just, yeah, I had two weeks and, um, it was just so crazy how it all worked out, but I did it and it went amazing. And my parents were there in the front row and it was so special and full circle. And two years. I mean, this is what I find so cool about what you're doing and what you've continued to do in the way that you lead conversations is the fact that you're somebody who suffers with anxiety, suffered from it a lot as a child, and then yet has found success in doing things that create rejection, that create no's, that create hardships and sometimes difficulties. And yet on now, I, I was watching on a lot on your channel today and I was looking at all of the people you interview about their anxiety and their people that are like Olympians and like really big TikTokers or athletes and all of this stuff. And I was like, I think a lot of times, and even myself, like as you're talking, I'm like, how did you do that with anxiety though? And yet I'm somebody who, you know, is running a business. I suffer from anxiety. A lot of people I know that are so successful yet we still create that bit of a stigma, that bit of a self-doubt that like, if you struggle with that, that's going to be kind of a plague on your career. Like that's going to be something you know, so difficult. We did, we did a podcast episode before all about owning your anxiety and like using your anxiety in a way that like channels you forward. But what I found really fascinating about you is that you really brought on and kind of normalize this conversation around people that we've definitely put on a pedestal or they have a platform for whatever reason. Let's talk about their anxiety. What is something that like, do you think there's still a lot of stigma around anxiety and mental health as a whole? especially for those who, you know, nobody is exempt from it. I think that's one thing that we can all kind of agree on, but you know, it can be, it, anxiety is a really debilitating thing sometimes, but it also doesn't mean a plague on your life. And so how have you kind of felt as you've journeyed through it yourself and also interviewed so many people who have had anxiety, any common threads or things you've noticed in terms of like, just commonalities and in, in how they've kind of managed to not have it plague them and plague their careers. Right. Well, I think the fascinating thing is that, I mean, like I've interviewed, you know, famous celebrities and singers and dancers and models and everyone and athletes. And I would say the one common thing is they just don't give up on themselves. And they also really twisted around, you know, for some people you can view, you can go one of two ways you can view, Oh, I have anxiety. I have depression, you know, poor me kind of like, woe is me. Oh, well, I guess this is always going to be my life. And I'm always, or to me, it does not matter what your occupation is. You have this choice or how much money you make. You can go the other way where you flip around and you think, wow, you know, how lucky am I that I have this blessing where I get to constantly be working on myself and I, I have the blessing of constantly bettering myself in some way because anxiety to me, it's just this like inner, you know, mirror of, okay, well, something's up, you know, what's going on. And I can meditate really quickly for four or five minutes on the ground and, you know, really just think, or if I'm like on an airplane, on a flight, running around doing anything, I know the tools, I know what to do. So to me, it's this blessing where no matter how old I get, no matter what changes happen in my life, I still ha like have the blessing. I, I don't have to, I get to take care of myself and I get to continuously, you know, better my life and maybe eat healthier or go to bed earlier or just try something 
you know, else. And so to me, that's what I view it as just this awesome blessing where I really am able to just, you know, constantly be thinking, could I be doing better? Could I be thinking better? Mm. Could I be living better? And to me, the answer is always yes. I always think checking in with yourself and really evaluating your thoughts is so important. Yeah. And it's it's so hard because mental health is one of those things that we really don't have. There's controllable pieces to it. And there's a lot that's outside of our control. There's a, the way that our brains are wired and you know certain conditions of our lives and things that have happened or trauma that can kind of lend itself towards these situations that make it really difficult to kind of suddenly have this responsibility or what feels like a burden. So What I like about what you just said is it kind of isn't, it's not about how the why or the how, but just this opportunity to take whatever it was and however it is, understand that like, A, it's not your fault. It's not your own doing, but also there might be conditions in which you can, you know, take care of yourself a little bit more that you can show that self-compassion. When you said it, I was like, I don't think I would ever be thankful for going through depression. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know that I would have the willingness to say no to things or the ability to call it what I need to call it, to go take care of myself or make the decisions to, you know, talk to a friend or reach out or have that empathy that I do for others who are going through it to know that. And without that, without having those mental health experiences, I wouldn't have those gifts and I wouldn't have that ability to kind of be self-aware like that all the time. If you struggle with mental health, it it often feels like a burden because it's like you have to be alert to your surroundings all the time. You have to be alert to the conditions of your world and how variable they can be. But it doesn't mean it stops you. It just means like it actually can actually, in a way, be a blessing that you get to kind of create. I, I was talking about this actually last week. I had a, a diagnosis coming up in terms of my pregnancy and I was, you know, I took to my page and I was just doing a story and I was going to say to people like, you know, cause I've been so anxious for two months waiting for the results of this. And I was going to say, if everyone can just like, you know, pray that everything's okay, or just like, send me all your well wishes and your fairy dust, whatever you want to send me, like, give me all of the stuff, like just send it my way for a good diagnosis. But what came out of my mouth was, please just send good thoughts, love, prayers, pixie dust my way that I will have a heart that can manage and that I will be ready to take on whatever this diagnosis was. That I actually stopped at some point asking for the conditions of my life to change and stopped asking for everything to kind of be perfect so I wouldn't have to deal with mental health and wouldn't have to deal with this anxiety and worry. But instead, instead of asking for like the wind's to change, actually asking to learn how to adjust my sales, asking for those tools, asking for that, you know, ability to be supported through that. And I think that a lot of times that's what feels so crippling about it. That's what feels like it's all on us because it feels like if the conditions don't change, we can't change. Instead of realizing that along the way and along our journeys, we can actually learn tools. Like if you're struggling with anxiety for the very first time today, let's say it's the very first time, like you did all that, all those years ago, this is just the beginning of, of building your toolbox and what it's going to look like from here. This isn't your forever. This isn't the only way you're ever going to experience it. This is the beginning of a learning journey. And it's going to be, it can actually be really special in a lot of ways. And it's, 
I still think it's difficult to kind of thank your mental health, but in a way it does make us who we are and what makes us variable and special and oftentimes advocate for ourselves when we normally wouldn't. It's almost like our bodies and brains response to life and how we can kind of, you know, better ourselves through it. And a lot of times it's like, yeah, get some more damn sleep, girl. Like (laughs) all the time, all the time it's sleep. But for like, I wanted to ask too, when it comes to body image, this is a big one for kids. I obviously have a huge body image story. We talked a little bit about this earlier, but I kind of wanted your advice on, you know, how do we talk to teens about managing body image and anxieties around that? Is there things that you've kind of noticed that you would kind of, you know, give advice to around that? Yes. So I also have a crazy story with body image issues. And I remember vividly, I have this whole entire story of when I was a junior in high school, getting ready for prom, I you know, I really wanted to look a certain way in this dress. And to me, my brain kind of put the pieces together of, okay, so, you know, I really want to look really thin and super, you know, just this, I want to look a certain way. So I, you know, got the spray tan, I did that. But then I also very consciously ate such tiny portions for the three weeks, you know, leading up to my junior prom, I ate only salad, only almonds, like super tiny amounts of food. And I mean, I felt fine. Like, you know, I just, but it's like, I knew on the inside, I was, I just knew, you know, this can't be the right thing to do because I was, you know, running like 10 miles, like a crazy amount. And then I would eat just like a little salad. And my parents were too nice to comment. And so I just remember thinking, you know, gosh, I, but it's also when you're that young, I remember just thinking, you know, once I am this, then, then this guy's going to like me and all these things are going to happen. You know, that's the story we're sold. Isn't it is. It? It's like, we're going to love ourselves and then we're going to, you know, fall in love and this guy's going to like me. And then all, all these dreams are going to come true. Like once I lose the weight or once it's Friday, once it's, you know, it's like this constant once it's, but it's like, why can't it be here right now? It was just crazy, but I would say my biggest tips for teenagers and just loving their body is one, realizing straight up, you will never get this time in your life. As young as you are, you will never have this ever again. Just really taking that in because I know when you're in high school, it's your whole entire, you know, world. Everything is just so, oh my gosh, this guy didn't text me back. Like, I really understand that. And Hey, like I graduated high school like eight years ago. I still have, you know, moments that I remember and I remember all of the feelings and you didn't get invited to this party. And I know what it's like to be in that, but just remembering, keeping in mind when you do graduate, you're going to look back and be like, oh my gosh, that was, you know, like, you know, years go by and you're like, that was like this much of my life. It's really, when you're in it, it's one thing, but then when you're out of it, you're like, oh, I mean, like it was a big deal. It did matter. Of course it did, but it's also just this thing of, I don't know. It's just this crazy thing, but I would say one realizing just enjoy your body where it is. And I know that when you are a teenager, you know, especially as a girl, you're going through puberty and your body's changing and things feel so uncomfortable 
So it's just, I think, important to remember to really just as challenging as it can seem sometimes, just really remembering that you have to like actively work on loving yourself. And this is just, you know, something to keep in mind throughout the day. You know, when you're just, you find yourself going down that negative thought pattern or just literally saying, no, we're not doing this. You know, I'm going to choose to love myself. I'm going to choose to not scroll on social media. I'm going to choose to eat a meal that feels good to me. And that feels filling and nutritious. I'm not going to deprive myself. I'm not going to, you know, just, I'm not going to participate in things or I'm not going to hang out with these girls anymore, whatever it is just cutting off that tie to the toxic cycle. But I think when you are a teenager, just remembering that when you start that young with healthy habits and self-care routines, really, you know, just make sure that you are knowing like, wow, you know, this is going to help me the rest of my life. Because when you are 15 years old, if you start, you know, eating healthy and waking up and meditating, those will literally carry you throughout the rest of your life. Yeah. And it's so fascinating to me because I wish somebody so long ago would have told me that, you know, with our bodies, a lot of times we get this like destination addiction, like we do with a lot of life. It's always like, I'll be happy when, and I'll feel good about my body when, and, and it's like, you're constantly chasing a destination that isn't really the point. It really is a, it really is about showing up in the everyday. And again, with the messages of self-love, we tie it to like this feeling because as it's kind of similar to like how, when you're in relationships, you really do feel like it is all about how you feel about somebody is your love. And when I talk about self-love, I've really had to, I, I wish sometimes that we were like the Greek language where they have different words for love that define different things. Because in, in the English language, we just say love and it's supposed to mean all of the things. And it it doesn't because for me, self-love, it's very rarely about actually loving in some sort of like emotional, overwhelming feeling about how I feel about my body. It's the tangible actions in which I take around self-care. That is my love. Like that is my love. And sometimes it is like really honoring what feels good. And sometimes it's really honoring, like, I don't know, I just ate like a crap ton of candy on the weekend and it felt so gross the next day. But I was like, but shame doesn't hold me today. Like shame is not part of this story that I'm just moving forward. Yesterday was a great memory. And that was, those are really great bites that I enjoyed, you know, with my family. And now we get to move on to today, which is a totally different story. And shame isn't part of that. That is my self-love. Like that is just as valuable as, you know, if you were to be so amazing as to like, I shouldn't even say so amazing. Like I'm trying to unidentify good foods and bad foods, but really acknowledging that, you know, my worth isn't tied to all of these things, but I also know my body well enough to start paying attention to what does feel good for me and what does that look like? And sometimes that is a slice of pizza on a or a five on a Friday night. And sometimes that's like a really nutritious, like nutrient dense salad or like very full meal that feels so good for me that perpetuates my, you know, fuel into the rest of the day. It's just really like, it's a lot of grace and a lot of love. And it's not really so much looking in the mirror and being like, 
Yep, damn, love her. Love how she's looking. We've met the destination. No, I'm 35. I'm not there yet. <laughs> it's never happened for me. I've gone through every swing of weight. It just doesn't exist. So I kind of love that you said that because I think that that's one thing that I wish my kids, we, we kind of talk about self-care, but I think because I'm just actively learning it myself, like meditation is not a part of our days. And I just really think it's the more and more I'm learning about intentionalities, especially around routine and the alone time and like centering yourself it sounds like for everyone, it's just an amazing positive experience. I really need to start creating this in my own home. I think it can be a really healing thing. And I would love to see, you know, how to kind of do that and how it can kind of really tap into like a better mentality day to day, as opposed to just like that grind that I think a lot of us feel like when we say the word grind, I feel like that's like a descriptive word for like how a lot of us are feeling, especially in 2020. Like, especially in 2020, the grind, like, yep, that's exactly how it feels like. It is a grind. The grind. <laughs> yeah, the grind. But we've we've been talking for a while. Tell everyone where they can find you. I mean, you're an incredible writer and author. You're 24. It's so cool to see. But I think you're one of those people that's a little bit of one to watch because you're definitely doing things. You're tapping into this younger audience, whether you're older and raising that younger audience or really just wanting to learn about that younger generation or are that younger generation. I think you're, you know, someone of value for everyone. So tell us where we can find you and, you know, what you said you've got a book coming up next. So let's plug that a little bit too and your podcast. Basically, I am everywhere. So my... (laughs) Right. <laughs> my website is com. So Megan W. Gallagher, that's like my username handle for everything, for Instagram, for Facebook, for YouTube. I literally have, I've LinkedIn. I have it all. Yeah. I would say my most active platforms are Instagram and YouTube. I post all of my Instagram live videos, my interviews, my podcast episodes, which are audio and video. I post just it all, but I have so many projects coming up right now. And also on my website, meganwgallagher.com, I have my contact info for pricing. And you know, if you want me to speak at your school or speak with your teenager, I also am doing a ton of virtual conferences right now, which is exciting. And then I also have my new book, which will be out in March of next year. And I'm working with my team on it right now. So fingers crossed, if things by then are a little bit more open and, you know, relaxed. I'm planning on doing a tour across the country, like a book tour and signing and and meeting and greeting. And then I also am working on so many things. I also just got signed to Washington Speakers Bureau, which is really exciting. They're a really- That's so cool. So they are kind of like for an actor, they are a talent agency for a Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. after like mm-hmm. six years of rejection and just, oh no, you're not big enough. You're not this person. And I'm like, okay. So finally, two weeks ago, I signed the contract and it's so exciting because they represent speakers like Ariana Huffington, who created the Huffington Post, like really big, you know, wellness leaders, which is just so exciting and such a dream come true. But yes, I have my podcast also reaching new heights and I drop a new episode every Monday at noon. Central Standard Time. And I also have my blog, which I write up new blogs every Sunday. I just have so many things. I'm also a writer for Restyled Magazine out of New York City. 
They do online and print copies. And I'm also just newly became an editor for Meditation Magazine, which is super fun. It's sold at Whole Foods and Barnes & Noble. So I interview the cover stars and then I also write wellness columns in there. So it's a lot going on, but it's literally my absolute dream come true and I would not have it any other way. <laughs> my gosh, I everyone always thinks that I'm doing a lot. You are killing it. That is so exciting. Congratulations. I mean, it's hard because I just talked about like not hustling too hard to the point of burnout, but you're such a living proof that like wellness can exist in a success story and in, you know, not having a grind, but actually following your passions and, and through rejection and through kind of some of those failures. I think that's such a cool story. So thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to throw everything you just mentioned there in the show notes as well. So people can find you and, uh, really excited that we got to share this time together. And for everyone listening, if, have you have a teen in your life that you know that is struggling with anxiety, maybe this is a great person to direct them to. And like I said, if you're a parent of one, hopefully this conversation lended itself in just even the littlest ways to help these kids go through some of the biggest times of their life. We can do anything to kind of help them while we're kind of going through it ourselves. I think we're all just going to be a little bit better. So thank you, Megan, so much. I, this was such an honor and I'm seriously such a fan of yours, Sarah. So this is a manifestation (laughs) come true. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. And to everyone listening, we will see you next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.